Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Romans, chapter 12. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. In order for God to be a God of pure and total love, God must also hate he hates sin are you hearing me and then that kind of jolting what wait a minute god hates something absolutely god hates people who sow discord among the church people there's many things that god hates and i think oftentimes we christians we go to the extreme you know we we either hate the sinner in their hate of sin, or we end up condoning sin because we don't want to reject the sinner. You know, people today are asking for tolerance. Listen, they're not asking for tolerance. People are asking for endorsement. Somebody say amen. It's all right. It's true. Well, we all need to be tolerant. Listen, we are never to be tolerant of sin. We're never to endorse it. We're never to be tolerant of these things. True love, listen, hates sin, but loves the sinner. We are to hate, abhor evil. And notice in your Bibles in verse one, verse nine again. Notice in verse nine, it says to abhor evil, but do what? Cling to what is good. This word cling literally means to hold firmly using cement. We are to hate evil And be glued to the things of the Lord. Point number three. True love is a committed love. Would you go ahead and look at verse 10 again? Be kindly affectionate one to another. You see that? What Paul is saying is that we are to have family love. We are family. Did you know? Sister Slash didn't come up with that. That wasn't Sister Sledge. They stole it from God. We are family. You know I'm tempted. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's leaking out, man. It's coming out. I can't even contain it. We're family. We're going to be together forever. In the Greek language, listen, this word forever means forever. That was deep, Pastor. That was, (laughs) hold on, there's more. There's more where that came from. We're going to be together forever. We are family. We're we're committed. We're committed to one another. And yeah, sometimes family can be difficult. You got family members in your family that are difficult. Ooh, y'all were really, (laughs) y'all like, preach, Pastor. 
You know, uh, let me see. Chuck Swindoll, I think he said, to dwell above with saints we love, that will be grace and glory. To live below with saints we know, well, that's another story. (laughs) Isn't that true? Sometimes it's hard to be family, but we are family, saints, and you're stuck with me. And I'm stuck with you. Pray for me. We're family. True love, number four, regards others above ourselves. Again, in verse 10, in honor giving preference. You're looking at it? In honor giving preference to one another. In other words, put others first. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. Do nothing. This is what it sounds like. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. But in humility, consider others better than yourself. You see, true brotherly love seeks to build up one another. And then point number five, true love is energetic and enthusiastic. Go ahead and look at verse 10 again in your Bibles, not lagging in diligence. Whatever, listen, God has put your hand to do, do it as unto the Lord. Christian, business person, listen. If you got a business card with the Christian fish on it, please conduct your business as a Christian. Do what you're supposed to do. Do right by folks. Do the right thing. You got a Christian, you got a van. I was going to say a Christian van. (laughs) A van with Christian stuff on it. All tattoos on the back. I love Jesus. And you're cutting folk off on the 440. <laughs> and somebody cuts you off and you flag them down. And let's just say you wave at them. <laughs> Don't do it. That's a bad witness. I was talking to one sister in a bank, and perhaps you were in banking, and you'll know this is true. She told me that they get checks all the time from churches that bounce checks. Have you? I asked her, I said, you getting any from our church? <laughs> she said, no. I said, praise the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. We keeping up with it. We keeping up with that thing, you know. That's horrible. That's a bad witness. I'm sorry. That's just a bad witness. We need to not lag in diligence. Be diligent. True love is energetic. True love is enthusiastic. Not lagging in diligence, but notice in your Bible it says what? Be fervent in spirit. That word fervent literally means to be boiling hot. I love that. Or in the enthusiastic kind of love. Jesus wants our love for him and each other to be fervent, boiling hot as we serve the Lord. Point number six, true love rejoices in hope in verse 12. Go ahead and peek at it if you will. If you've been around here at Calvary Chapel, you know that hope is the absolute expectation of something good. True love rejoices in hope. Patient in tribulation. You're looking at it? Rejoicing in hope. Patient in tribulation. You know, I like the rejoice in hope part better than I like the patient in tribulation. I really do. This word patient literally means to bear up under. And we're to continue steadfastly in prayer. Man, we had a great prayer meeting yesterday. If you weren't there, you missed it. It was awesome. It was a blessing to pray. 
And then point number seven, true love responds to people's needs in verse 13. Finally, true love responds to people's needs. I like that. Distributing to the needs of the saints, giving the hospitality. I love that about this church. You would not know because you would not know. But I know when people need something here, God provides it through other people. There's an unbelievable amount for this church. You know, here's what I want to tell you. For this church to be a good sized fellowship now, it's still very warm and very loving. And I always pray, Lord, I don't want to have or be a part of a church that's just so big, it's cold and it's sterile. Given the hospitality, I'm in my office, and many of you know where my office is located. This morning, it just blew me away. This one sister, she's standing at the door, and I could hear her as she's greeting people coming in. And she's greeting people, and she's just so pleasant and friendly. And I could hear her saying, welcome, good morning, praise the Lord, God bless you, giving them a bulletin. Welcome, praise the Lord, good morning, God bless you. Welcome, praise the Lord, good morning, God bless you. After a while, I thought, that's a little over the top. Oh, you know what's nice? She was pleasant. You know, we should be warm. We, church should be a place you feel welcome. What happened to that? Now you got to go to the church and feel like, well, now let's make sure, you know, this is the place for us because we never know. People tell me they sit on the back row when they first come and visit because if anything jump off, they're going to get out. <laughs> People tell me that, well, we, uh, honey, now sit on the back row now. Now, and if anything happens, we're going to be closer to the door. You never know what's going to happen. Church should be welcoming. You should come to church and feel welcome. Somebody should say welcome. Greeters are important. That's why we're going to have a meeting, because greeters are important. They're the face of the church. You'll get greeted before you have worship. Before you hear from me or whoever's speaking, there's a greeter there. And you want your greeters to be nice. Somebody say amen. amen. You don't want the greeters who come to the door and first time here, what are you doing here? <laughs> huh? Huh? Take this bulletin, get in there, sit down and shut up. <laughs> You'd be like, whoa, whoa, honey, let's leave now. There's no need to sit on the back row. <laughs> Church should be a welcoming place. It should be a blessing and a joy. It should be hospitable. Church should be a place where God's people and all people are welcome. You know, I got to tell you this story. Listen to this story. Perhaps you'll enjoy this. This is the story of this family. Get this. Was entertaining a couple from the church for Sunday dinner on this hot, blistering day. And when all were seated, the man of the house turned to his six-year-old son and he told his son, he says, son, I want you to say grace. But, but daddy, I, I don't know what to say. Oh, just say what you heard me say. The mother chimed in. Well, obediently, he bowed his head and he said, Oh, Lord, why did I invite these people here? <laughs> you know, I don't know what that had to do with my point, but I thought it was just something to interject. I don't even know. Point number two in our outline, what love looks like in the world in general. Saints, please look at verse 14 if you're looking at it, say amen. Bless those, verse 14, some of y'all ain't looking. If you're looking at it, say amen. amen. Bless those who persecute you. 
bless and do not curse. This word bless, if you write in your Bibles, you can write this in the margin. This word bless means to eulogize, which means to speak well of. You see, the idea here in the Greek language actually is that you are continually speaking well of. Like a funeral service, you have the eulogy. That means you're going to get up and bless that person's life and talk about, to speak well of that person. Well, in the Greek language, this literally means to continually speak well of people. Over and over, you're speaking well of not only people, but of those who persecute you. Doesn't that sound like what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 43 and 44? Jesus said, you have heard it has been said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and do what, saints? Bless those who curse you and do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Paul says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Get this. When this is being written, the church in Rome, give me your attention. It's made up of Jew and Gentile. It is at this point in church history that the persecution toward Christians is just beginning to ramp up. It hadn't gotten to its pinnacle yet. It's just beginning to ramp up. The gospel began to spread and the Roman Empire became more threatened. And so Rome, get this, they invented some false charges against the Christians. And they said that Christians were cannibals. Because the Christians were talking about eating the bread or eating the body and drinking his blood. Now, we all know that the Christians were talking about what? Communion. But Rome took that and invented some false charges and began this persecution toward the Christians, accusing them of being unfaithful to the state because they refused to proclaim that Caesar was Lord. Now, get this. If you were to declare Caesar As Lord, you were given a certificate known as a liabilis. The liabilis gave you the authority after you worship Caesar to worship any other God after Caesar. And the Christians refused. Why? Because they knew the commandment that says you shall have no other gods before me. And they were intent to worship the Lord and him only. And so the persecution at this point in church history, get the Fox's Book of Martyrs. While I was in England, I was looking for a original copy of the Fox's Book of Martyrs. Boy, if I could have got that. We might have a couple more in the bookstore left from first service, maybe. So persecution is ramping up. Saints, listen, I tell you that to tell you this. It's with that backdrop. That Paul says to the believers in the church at Rome, bless those who persecute you. Bless them and do not curse. Do you realize that that takes an act of the Holy Spirit to bless folks when they are persecuting you? And some people have the audacity to say, well, you know, I'm just looking for the deeper things of God. I saw a brother recently. He said, oh, I said, hey, man, how you been? I haven't seen you in a minute. Well, you know, uh, yeah, I haven't been to Calvary in a while. Really? Oh, I love the church. I love the church. But, you know, I was looking for some, the deeper things of God. 
I said, the deeper things of God. He said, yeah, I'm, you know what? I almost lost my mind. He, I just I couldn't even process what he was telling me. You're looking for the deeper things of God. Well, here's a deep thing of God. Bless those who persecute you. Let me see you do that. Some people want the deeper things of God so much so they're going to drown themselves. Well, I just need to get deep in the spirit. I tell you what, if you learn to bless people, you learn to get a hold of these things in verses 9 through 21, and you're about as deep as you can go. Because I don't know about you, but I haven't gotten there yet. Somebody say amen. amen. I haven't gotten there yet. I don't know. I can't bless. I'm not there yet. I'm, can I, I'm just get real with you. I'm just not there. If you persecute me, I can't bless you. Anyway, some of y'all ain't getting real. Some of y'all ain't getting real. Some of y'all ain't getting real. You know, I haven't got to the turn the other cheek thing yet. Well, wait a minute. Let me take that back. Maybe I have. Lord, say turn the other cheek. Somebody hit you on the turn the other cheek. I'll turn the other cheek. There ain't no telling what I'm going to do after that. I might turn the other cheek and then who knows? I might go, oh, it's like that, huh? All right. Oh, I didn't know. I, I don't know. I might be in the spirit and say, well, you know, bless the Lord, oh, my soul and all that is within me. I might just come get you the next day. I, I don't know. Maybe I'll send Guido for you. If your name is Guido, you know, I love you, mean it, but I might have to send you to get him. I don't know. I'm not that spiritual. The Bible says rejoice with those in verse 15 who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Man. You rejoice when people rejoice. Somebody you're working with, they get a raise and you don't. They come up and say, hey, man, I got a raise, dude. I am so excited. I got a raise. And you go, really? (laughs) Well, isn't that special? (laughs) Well, nice. Got to go. But do you rejoice with them? And do you weep with people who weep? When's the last time you've wept with someone else about their situation? Your heart is broken. This is what we're to do as believers, to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. And then point number three, I've got to wrap it up. What love looks like in the midst of conflict. What love looks like in the midst of conflict. Look at verse 17, saints. Repay no one evil for evil. You get that? Listen, Christian, you got to get this. We must be committed to righteousness, not only in theory, but in practice. I'm going to say that again. We must be committed to righteousness, not only in theory, but also in practice. And your commitment to doing what is right should never depend on someone else's commitment or lack thereof. Do you understand? Always do what God's telling you to do. Always obey God. Always do the right thing. Always do the gracious thing. Always do the merciful thing. Even if they're not doing what is right, gracious, and merciful, you do what's right, gracious, and merciful. Because you want to be blessed by God. And you want to do things the way that God tells us to do them. You know, somebody once said two wrongs never make a right, and that's true. We're never to pay back evil for evil to anyone. We should be people of peace and not of payback. And don't avenge, in verse 19, yourself, 
but give place to wrath because it is written, listen, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Vengeance is always outside of God's will. Trust me. God reserves vengeance for himself. You know, people have said, don't get mad, get even. That's cute, but it's not biblical. Vengeance is mine, God says. I will repay, says the Lord. And listen, God tells us, now watch this, stay tuned. God tells us not to take vengeance, not because he's the big bad meanie and he wants to be sure that he's the one doing the vengeance. That's not why. God tells us, are you listening? God tells us not to take vengeance because he understands that if you are a vengeful person, you're going to hold on to bitterness. You're going to hold on to unforgiveness. You're going to hold on to anger. And if you hold on to bitterness, unforgiveness, and anger, that will destroy and consume you like cancer. So God tells you not to be vengeful because he doesn't want you to be hurt. Things that make you go, hmm. God loves you so much. And he tells you, don't be a vengeful person. God will repay and trust. Don't you know? God sees everything. Nobody, ain't nobody getting away with nothing. You understand? God God sees everything. He knows everything because he is God. And if you want to show people that you're motivated by God's love, then you do things on a basic level of human needs. If your enemy is hungry, you give him to eat. If he is thirsty, you give him something to drink. And when you do this, you're heaping coals of fire on his head. And some of y'all are thinking, man, I like that. Yeah, pastor, now you're preaching. Heap coals of fire. I can see some of y'all really like that. You kind of perked up on that part. I saw it. Listen, this whole heaping coals of fire, scholars are not exactly sure what it means. Let me tell you really quickly. It could mean by doing good, we heap coals of burning pain of shame upon them. Could mean that. It could also mean, listen, doing good, we are meeting a desperate need to keep a fire going. You see, in those days in the Bible, it was very important that you have coals for cooking, for warmth, for other things. And everyone, every family kept their coals burning constantly. If your coals went out, then you would be forced to go to your neighbor and ask them to borrow some of their coals. You would bring your clay pot and they would put some coals. And because of Oriental custom, even till today, they carry baskets and pots on their heads. So perhaps you go to your neighbor, you get some coals, you're taking those burning coals back carrying them on your head. And what you have done is you've showed an act of kindness to someone who was your enemy. That's the second position that scholars hold. I'm not really sure which one it is. I do know the Bible tells us we should do good even to our enemies. Amen, saints? And then finally in verse 21, go ahead and peek at it. In verse 21, don't be overcome by evil, but do what? Somebody read it with me but overcome evil with good. Finally, saints, listen, here's the Christian strategy that according to God, you can't lose. Don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. The unconquerable strategy of the Christian is to be victorious over evil 
by doing good. It's not to fight fire with fire, but to fight fire with water. If you meet evil with evil, you'll always lose. But if you meet evil with good, then you're an overcomer. God's ways are so not like the world. The world says somebody knocks out your tooth, you, they're going to wear dentures for the rest of their life. That's what the world says. Somebody does something wrong to you, you do something doubly wrong to them. God says, listen, bless those who persecute you. Pray for them. Meet their needs practically. You do things God's way. What's your situation? Your marriage, your family, your children, your job, whatever it is. If you do things God's way, you'll always be blessed. I'm a witness. I know. I've had a hard couple of two years, y'all. I've been tough two years. And I've been determined. God help me. I want to do it your way. I'm going to be gracious, I'm going to be loving, and I'm going to be righteous in my behaviors, in my actions. And I can tell you, our church will be 12 years old the 24th of this month. Isn't that exciting? I'll tell you something. I'll tell you that tell you this. God's been faithful in these 12 years. I've been walking by faith and trying to trust him. That's all I'm trying to do. Trying to follow him, trying to listen. Trying to do what he tells me to do. As I learn more, I try to do more. That's all he requires of me. And that's a good thing. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light. Let me be a salt.